Welcome to the Digital Dialogue. Today we look at regulation in the sharing economy. What new frameworks and approaches do we need and how should we structure them to ensure that we are competitive in an ever-increasing global marketplace? How should governments regulate? What policies, procedures or what new instruments might governments and public policy require in order to regulate the emerging digital economy? Amanda Briggs spoke recently with Professor Bronwyn Morgan from the University of New South Wales and Dr Nick Suzua from the Queensland University of Technology. They both presented at the Rethinking Regulation in the Digital Economy Symposium, which was hosted by the Digital Media Research Centre. Regulating in the sharing economy. Mm, that's worth exploring. Hi, so we're here with Digital Dialogue and today uh, I have the opportunity to interview Professor Bronwyn Morgan from UNSW. Uh, Bronwyn, you were talking here, you gave a riveting talk at the start of the Digital Media Research Centre Symposium on Rethinking Regulation in the Digital Economy. This is a, a research topic of yours? Uh, yes, thanks. Uh, it's a uh part of a future fellowship research project um, which is actually called Between Activism and Enterprise um, and I was interested in legal and regulatory support structures for projects and initiatives that seem to be part business, part activism, disrupting business as usual um, and particularly interested in, in sort of projects that have some kind of ecological benefit myself but I was speaking more generally today. Absolutely, and a couple of things that I picked up on that I thought we might want to share with our listeners is uh, you were talking about how law or regulation might help us to reframe value exchange in this uh, sharing economy, the new economy. Did, did you want to speak a little bit to that? Yeah, one of the points I was particularly keen to make was the idea of, of getting beyond the idea that law is just some kind of policeman that comes and wags its fingers and says, you know, don't do this particular thing or tells people with enterprise ideas the detail of what they should and shouldn't do but to to step back and think well law can actually help us frame the way an organization is set up in the first place and then people can go and get on with what they're doing so there's a, a really interesting array of social enterprise forms it sounds pretty dry but I think when people get together to put a project together and then they find a way they can legally pursue both their social and economic objectives as well as their business objectives. So you had a um, couple of, excited, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you had a couple of examples in the food industry. You're using that as an industry to focus on. Did you want to explain a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. There's, um, so well, uh, this relates to the digital economy side of the day that we were also talking about, that people are using online platforms um, as a way of redesigning food distribution. And now this is familiar in some ways. Coles delivers you know, food to you. You can use online ordering but you can also design a special there's a uh, initiative called open food network where there's open source software allows small groups of people to get together and build relationships with local farmers and then they can um, create local initiatives to source ecologically beneficial food um, and that is part business part neighborhood initiative and the software itself is open source um, and so it it's and then they can form cooperatives around that or a social enterprise um, that would actually be, for example, there is something called B corporations that certify themselves as bringing benefit to the public. And, um, it still raises regulatory questions about food safety and so on, but you're using the law from the beginning to 
kind of redesign the relationship between exchange and production and value to those people receiving the food. Perfect, that's excellent. Um, you mentioned three trajectories that you think uh, regulation could go in the sharing economy. Could we share that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. This is, this is you know, acknowledging that, that these kinds of legal forms don't solve all the questions. Um, it seems like there's what, three directions. One of those is really to uh, stick with a, a defensive posture, which is really more about often ends up protecting the status quo and the incumbents. There has been a lot of a tendency to do that around particularly uh, sort of aggressive moves um, in the transport and mobility, like um, th- those that Uber are carrying out. And I think a lot of uh, rearguard defensive incumbent protection has taken place through the courts and, and local governments globally in that sphere. Secondly, um, there is regulatory response which allows limited disruption. Now, this looks as if it's letting in innovation, but the danger here is that if you've got really um, well-funded, large-scale platforms driving that regulatory dialogue, that you actually get a risk of um, the regulatory framework opening up disruption that encourages the perpetuation of their own platform. And so you get both skewed extraction of... um, too many profits and also limited diversity and even oligopolies emerging and you see that with sort of Airbnb and Uber happening unusually fast. So the third trajectory would be to encourage a a more open disruption that you are encouraging innovation but you're looking for a diverse ecology of more of these kinds of small scale um, initiatives that I was referring to, the kind that Open Food Network is and that what you would get there is a scaling by replication rather than one or two big BMRs dominating the landscape. You've got sort of thousands, hundreds of thousands of small projects experimenting with different forms, um, including of legal structure, so that we can address our multiple triple bottom lines more uh, creatively. And I, I think it brings to point the megatrend that's actually call, causing all of this confluence, which is the speed of change, and law doesn't necessarily operate in that technology speed of change. What would you like to see happen? What do you think we need to do in Australia to, to adapt and to be equipped and to create an ecosystem for Australia to be a player in the digital economy, which is a global economy. Yeah, it's really challenging. I mean, I do think this third trajectory of sort of open-ended uh, innovation and disruption is, is a space where that can happen, but for, for formal law to respond to that at the speed which is needed is challenging. So although this is in some ways heretical for formal lawyers, I, I would want to say let's, let's you know, open up our minds as to what law encompasses sets of social practices beyond formal law and let's encourage experiments with the public and these platforms and put pressure on the big oligopolistic platforms to share their data and and sort of create almost like citizen experiments and say, you know, these could be the future law, but we're not going to freeze them now. Let's keep it open. Let's, let's keep it a conversation about where social norms could become law, but not turn it into law as yet, because we, it's, too, it's too rapidly changing for us to take those decisions too fast. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming to QUT and sharing your thoughts and your research, and also speaking with us on the Digital Week. Thanks so much, Bronwyn. Thanks. It's been a great event. So I'm now here with Dr Nick Sizor from the Faculty of Law at QUT. You also presented at the Rethinking Regulation in Digital Economy Symposium uh, held at QUT. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Amanda. 
I was particularly interested in your research project. You're doing some work around regulation, the sharing economy, uh, specifically focused on Uber. Yes, there's a lot of interest right now about how we regulate and how we respond to the entrance of new players in these markets. We have very heavily regulated markets in hotels and in transport, for example, that new entrants are coming in with very different modes of regulating and governing how these services are delivered. And there's a lot of interest right now about what the appropriate regulatory response should be. You mentioned a little bit about um, the difference between these networked models and large uh, institutional regulatory frameworks. Tell me, what could uh, a regulation framework look like in a decentralised network model, in your opinion? So I'm not sure that there's an easy answer to that at the moment. There's a lot of interesting work going on around disruption here where our old ways of regulating are based on fairly heavy government involvement in setting standards and issuing licences and ensuring compliance with those standards in order to make sure that we achieve our social goals. These new entrants uh, coming into these markets are posing a threat to the established incumbents. Um, and they're suggesting that they're able to achieve the same sort of regulatory outcomes without necessarily the heavy weight of uh, bureaucratic administration that we're familiar with. The problem is we don't really necessarily understand how that's being done. Um, there's a lot of work that's, that goes on, a lot of regulatory work that happens in both models by the private firms that are responsible for coordinating behaviour. And that regulatory work um, that... For example, the work that Uber does to regulate its drivers and its consumers or Airbnb does to regulate its providers, that sort of regulatory work is not very transparent. So it's hard to tell exactly how well this uh, can align with the social values that we hold quite dear and think are important. For example, in the taxi space, issues of making sure that adequate services are provided to people with disabilities or that there is guaranteed service at a, at a sufficient level that, is, uh, that the community needs. And those sorts of regulations come down to health and safety regulations as well. What happens if you're in an accident, uh, you know, public good type regulations that sometimes I guess we take for granted? I think we do take for granted that the Australian consumer will be protected by Australian laws. And so the entrance of these new um, disruptors, if you want to call them that, are posing some challenges to how we actually protect consumers in these areas because it's a new way of doing things that we're not quite sure or familiar about. Um, So, for example, even in the food space, that you see a lot of uh, new peer economy models for sharing food. And uh, these bypass traditional regulations that we have on the quality of food service provision. And that, in a way that a lot of people are clearly happy with, but may open up um, potential problems down the road with consumer safety standards. And if I go down a little rabbit trail around food... How is this different from the co-op days where I might decide with a group of people to share in half a cow or whatever it is? Uh, how is? How is this different? I think the big difference is a question of scale. 
the co-op days are small communities where you have a degree of trust, the people know each other on the, in the network, and people voluntarily choose to associate with the other people in that community. And then, so there's a lot of deep trust and relationships that are built up over time where people understand that their providers are likely to be able to give them a certain level of service. That's much different in the massive world of Airbnb and Uber and similar peer economy services, where instead of a, a strong web of trust, we're developing new technical infrastructure like rating systems to uh, replace those personal connections that were so important in smaller co-ops. Could you ever see a future where rating systems replaced regulatory requirements at some level? I think the future of rating systems is very strange at the moment. Um, we've seen lots and lots of innovation over the last two decades from people like eBay, for example, building trust over a massive global decentralized network of providers through an extensive series of rating systems. Uh, in a way, this provides a really interesting and exciting opportunity to uh, help consumers make informed decisions. But there are also potentially problems with rating systems. They're not necessarily transparent. There's not a whole lot of due process that goes around what happens when people are deactivated from networks or uh, what happens when people are found to be or not found to be uh, gaming the system in terms of changing their ratings uh, through methods that are not transparent or accountable. There are potentially discrimination problems. We've seen some studies that show uh, or that seem to suggest that people do discriminate on various protected characteristics, sex and gender and race, um, that we might be quite uncomfortable with delegating so much power to a system that we can't really tell how it actually operates. You mentioned also in your talk uh, the Court of Public Opinion and its impact uh, in terms of framing regulation in the sharing economy or the digital economy. Can you shed some light for our listeners about that? The key thing I'm interested here from a regulatory perspective is the clash between these two systems as we talk in terms of digital disruption. So what we have here really is a struggle for legitimacy of the two regulatory models. We have the established regulatory model of licensing frameworks that we quite know and understand and are familiar with. And then we have a new regulatory model of very much light touch, um, technologically driven ratings and uh, private market led regulation that is seeking to convince all stakeholders, consumers, government, businesses, that these models are better in some way than the traditional established models. So we're seeing a really interesting fight both in mainstream and social media to, as these systems each seek to establish their superiority as a mode of regulation. And that's the sort of discourse that I think is really interesting here, that this isn't necessarily a question of public regulation in a way that we're familiar with, not a question of laws and legislatures, but a question of convincing the audience, the consumers in particular, that their models are superior to the opposition's. It's a very interesting topic. It's a very uh, relevant topic given where most businesses are at these days dealing with digital disruption and even if they don't have players disrupting their uh, business models at this point in time, I'm sure the time is soon to come upon where most industries will start to face these sorts of challenges and start to be asking these sorts of questions. So 
Nick, we really appreciate your time today and the best of luck with that with your research. And I know we'll have you back on the digital week. And for the audience, stay tuned uh, and uh, we'll keep you updated with Dr. Nick Sizzle's research as he looks into regulation in the sharing economy. 